questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. The information you will hear tonight is verifiable, but it may also disturb you. It may even change the way you look at the world. Yet we invite you to see this as a powerful opportunity for building a brighter future. By sharing this vital information with your friends and colleagues, you can play a key role in restoring a true democracy of the people, by the people, and for the people. Many don't want to know about the dark side of our world. Feeling secure and content in their personal lives, they choose to avoid matters which might disturb them. Yet, as long as we choose complacency over awareness, these major cover-ups will continue. In fact, they will likely fester and grow in magnitude until people are finally forced to open their eyes and deal with the consequences. The sooner each of us decides that we do want to know and that we are willing to invite others to open their eyes, the more easily we will be able to build a world that supports us. This is your wake-up call. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fambregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. Tonight's special guest is Fred Burks, who served for years in the U.S. Department of State as a language interpreter for George W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Al Gore, Dick Cheney, and many other top officials of the U.S. and other countries. Upon resigning, he became a whistleblower, as reported on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. After receiving a wealth of eye-opening information, Fred was inspired to develop the popular website wanttoknow.info, which features an abundance of reliable, verifiable information on major cover-ups and serves as a call to work together for the good of all. The website has received over 20 million visits. Fred Burks joins us directly from Berkeley, California. Hello, Fred, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Hey, Mel. So great to be here with you and your listeners. Absolutely. And as I told you offline, it's been years. I met you in person. You probably meet thousands of people at conferences, but I met you, I believe it was 2011 or 2012 at the UFO Congress. So glad that we finally converged. Yay. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, see what we come up with today. Well, first of all, the first question that I'm sure a lot of our listeners will have, how did you get your job at the government? How did you become an interpreter? And what happened? Why did you leave? Well, it's interesting because I never even thought of being an interpreter, but actually um, it started when uh, I was in college and uh, my uh, friend that I was living with at college really kind of dragged me to this meeting because it was going to change his life and he wouldn't go if I didn't go. So I went and these at the meeting, it was these people who lived in Asia and were just so on fire about their experience. And I was bored with college at the time. So I said, hey, I'll go. So I ended up going to Indonesia and then I got fluent really pretty quickly and got back. And a friend, another friend told me about this program at the State Department where uh, you get to take around really cool people on study tours of the country. And I said, hey, that sounds fun. So that's where I got my start. And uh, never thought I'd be interpreting in the White House, but uh, there's a, a shortage of Indonesian interpreters, and I was pretty good. So I moved up the ranks, and uh, 1995 found myself in the White House interpreting with uh, Bill Clinton and President Suharto at the time. 
Was, so I was going to say, was that because I lived in Asia in 1996, and I think Suarto was still there. Yes, yeah. He, let's see, 98, I think, is when uh, he went, lost power. Right. And why did you leave that uh, position? Well, you know, it got crazier and crazier. You know, um, the secrecy started getting out of hand. Um, and I start, I found out about all the, the craziness going on now, just, you know, I was a de- debunker of all the big cover-ups and conspiracies, um, until I found out some information. It was in 2001 and I was still working at the start to state department at that time. And it was actually information on UFOs that just absolutely blew me away. It was undeniable. And I said, holy cow, if this is going on, you know, what else is going on? And, uh, that got me deep into it. And uh, then, you know, the craziness happening um, was just too much. And basically, they wanted me to sign the secrecy agreement if I continued working. And it was just way too excessive. So I resigned in what was that 2004 from the State Department. So is it safe to say that whatever you discuss tonight, you are okay to discuss? Well, interestingly enough, I always felt that there, there was hardly any secrecy agreement. So I was interpreting in the White House, and I had not signed any significant secrecy agreement. Um, in fact, my boss had asked me to get a secrecy clearance, uh, but it was it's really complicated. And I said, is it required? And she said, no, it, it's, it's a pain if you don't, but it's not required. I said, okay, well, then I'm not going to do it. But then they switched. And in, in 2004, they said anybody who does not sign this new secrecy agreement it was so excessive. It said that anything you see, see, hear, or do while you're working cannot be shared with anyone unless you get the written permission of your supervisor, which technically means if you know one of my people I'm working with tells me a good joke, I can't even share that joke. So it was just too excessive, and I was already kind of fed up with what they were doing in government, so I resigned. Do you think this was a byproduct of 9-11? Oh, yes. Yeah, the, you know, the craziness around secrecy. Well, I can say the secrecy agreement, they – started putting into place in 2000 in the State Department. So it was before 9-11, and um, they was voluntary for that agreement back then, and I so I refused because it was just too much. It was 2004 they decided to make it required for all uh, interpreters at the State Department. Now, I wasn't planning to discuss UFOs at the beginning of the interview, but you <laughs> kind of caught me off guard here at the beginning, and since we discussed this topic, I have to ask you, what did you find... And were you surprised that supposedly the government always denies the existence of UFOs or extraterrestrials? What did you find that can share with us? Well, I would say I was not surprised. I was shocked. I was literally shocked. And basically, I'm sure uh, most of your listeners and you know about Stephen Greer and his Disclosure Project. Sure. And it was a good friend of mine who I really trust who said, hey, I watched this uh, video and it changed my life. And so he sent me uh, a video copy of the uh, National Press Club conference, which was held, I believe it was in May of uh, 2001. That's right. Never to be heard again, pretty much after 9-11. Right. And so I, I sat, yeah, 9-11 sort of covered that whole thing up. But I sat down and I watched it and uh, it's a two hour long thing. And I swear to God, by the end, my jaw was on the floor going, oh man, I just, I can't use the expletives that I actually said. But um I can't believe this. And if this is going on, what else is going on? And that's what started me down the rabbit hole. And it was a rapid descent, but luckily I was ready for it. So what did you, aside from that, so this is what you found out, the Disclosure Project, or did you hear, read, or see anything of out of the ordinary? 
Well, you know, I only in hindsight did I look back and realize that I had seen some things that were pretty wild, but nothing super big, nothing like the whole UFO stuff. So it wasn't until the UFO stuff came out that I started saying, okay, my eyes are open. And then I could look back and see some of the stuff, as I said. And if you do a, a search on, I believe you just do a Google search on Fred interpreting stories. So you know, my name is Fred Burks. You'll, I wrote a page up because I was never sworn to secrecy. I literally wrote up all the weird, bizarre things that happen. And it's a pretty fascinating description if you uh, read through that. Certainly. And we have a lot of to discuss. But as I mentioned before, I went to your website. And the first thing that caught me was those those headlines you have here. And I think right it's important. Right. Why don't we begin dissecting all of these? Let me begin with 20 leading journalists, including winners of several Emmys and Pulitzers. Or, how do you pronounce it? Pulitzer? I think it's Pulitzer, I believe. Have described being prevented by corporate media ownership from reporting riveting stories on major cover-ups. Let's begin with that. Sure. Well, this, interestingly enough, so eventually I, I met Stephen Greer, and he said, hey, if you want to know what's really going on in the world, read the book Into the Buzzsaw, uh, which I did. And this, what that is is actually a, 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 a summary of the key pieces of this amazing book Into the Buzzsaw, uh, which was written by a woman named Christina Borgensen, who herself was an Emmy Award winner. And she got all these top reporters, including like Dan Rather, um, Greg Palast, Michael Levine, Gary Webb. And had them tell their personal stories in this book of how they had major stories that should have been front page news all over the place, but that were completely shut down. And so you can read summaries of their accounts on our website by clicking on that link. Wow, this is just uh, incredible because I'm looking at all of your website and it's, this is a compilation of probably the most important alternative news people have probably never read. Well, the thing I'll tell you, Mel, that made, makes Want to Know That Info special is that we've always focused on only using relation, uh, information that is both reliable and verifiable. In other words, you can click on the links and using re resources that people believe are reliable. And I'm not saying the major media is always reliable, but they're considered a reliable source. Um, and find that this is true. Everything we're saying, it's, you know, some of the conspiracy sites and, you know, you know they're all trying to do the right thing, hopefully. But they just don't uh, vet their information. Right. And so you'll see that um, this is why we've had an incredible impact. In fact, many of your readers uh, may know Dr. Uh, David Ray Griffin, sure. who's one of the big spokesperson of 9-11 movement. He originally found out and had his eyes open through our website because he saw, wow, this I could verify everything on it. And and he and I have become friends since then. And that is the problem with the advent of technology. And as, as we get more advanced in technology – it seems that more and more people share information that's not vetted. And believe me, folks, I'm not a, I'm not immune from that. I've made my own mistakes and I've learned from that experience. So I now yes, try my have. best to, to, yeah. to vet things. You know, I get things from people that I consider to be bona fide sources. Yes. I trust them. All of a sudden, somebody brings something up saying, hey, this is inaccurate. Please confirm with somebody else. And I fall through the trap, you know, on the trap. So I'm very careful with it. Now, mm -hmm. your take on Wikipedia and mm -hmm. Snopes. Sure. A good question. Because Wikipedia, when it's not controversial, it's very useful. I use it all the time if it's not a controversial topic. 
because it's got tons of information. It's, it's generally vetted. Anything that's controversial, I can guarantee you there are undercover CIA people and FBI people in there to make sure that the information that they don't want get out gets skewed. In fact, they banned want to know that info. And we, you know, we're totally reliable stuff and they banned us from um, posting anything there. So if it's controversial, forget it. But if it's just regular information, Wikipedia is great. Snopes, you know, I'm convinced that also they, they they have some sort of relationship with either with some sort of secret service because you look up 9-11 and all that kind of stuff. And they are very skewed to the government story, vaccines, all that kind of stuff. I just love it when you post something that you have verified, I have verified, and somebody says, well, look, Snopes says that that's that's false, and most people believe it, and a lot of people don't know who the two people is, this couple. It's just this couple, yes, and they do have, uh, you know, some sort of connections with uh, intelligence services. Why do you think they have have garnered so much, quote-unquote, authenticity? Well, you know, it's because they were probably the first to gain any sort of recognition as a, a, a good debunking website. And I do go and look because I want to see what they're saying. And for some things, they're right. And it's right on. I actually do check there occasionally. Um, but it's just, again, when it's anything controversial, I don't trust them. But if it's non-controversial type stuff, like you'll hear stories about, you know, Winston Churchill did this and that and blah, blah, blah. And it's a really magical, beautiful story. And you go check there and you can actually verify, oh, no, that wasn't actually true. This was just a rumor started by so-and-so. So it's not a totally useless resource, but when it's anything controversial, forget it. Well, but, you know, half a truth is still a lie. If that's the case, then aside from wanttoknow.info, where else should, be, should people go to verify the credibility or authenticity of an article? Well, you know, this is a great question. And actually, we have an article on how to do your own research and, and vet things um, on website. Uh, um, there are, you know, some good websites. You know, I think overall, Stephen Greer does a pretty good job on his Disclosure Project website. Um, there's some good media websites. There's a number of good websites on the various topics, you know, on the new energy cover-up, elections, mind control, but not many websites that try to cover all of this in a way that want to know that info does. And even like I used to really like David Wilcock because in the beginning he was really careful with his research and his claims, but you know, he's still good, but he just makes some outrageous claims and a lot of them have not come through and his, his ego is kind of stepping in. So there aren't many um, who sort of look at the big picture and really are careful with their information. And I don't like to talk about third parties, but many people have written to me, Mel, how, how come you haven't had David Wilcock here or Corey Good? Well, yes, Corey ex- Good is another one. Oh, my yes. God, I should tell you stories. But anyway, yes. <laughs> well, no, no let's, let's, let's dissect that because many people have contacted me. I've even received emails from Good, and he's never accepted to be here. Because I w- I'm going to be asking the, 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 the hard questions. And I know people yes. say, Mel, you're too nice to people sometimes. Yes, but if you listen carefully, it's the way you interview folks. That's how you extract the information. Yes. And if you have extraordinary claims, you better, you better come yes. out with some extraordinary support uh, information in order for us to believe you. Yes. Well, I'll tell you, Mel, that I'm very lucky because Want to Know at Info has become pretty popular. Um, people contact me from around the world, and I happen to know the woman who brought um, Corey Good out. Um, in other words, she was the very first one on Project Avalon to have that first interview where he started going viral. You mean and Carrie? Sorry? Carrie Cassidy? No, it wasn't Carrie. It was— Oh, Avalon, uh, not Camelot. Okay. Uh, yes. Um, 
she after Carrie left, she was the one who I, I'm blanking on her name right now. I apologize. Um, but anyway, um, she was the one who told me he's gone off the rails. He's like he's making tons of money. He was kind of a mess when she found him and he was in debt and his family was having problems. And suddenly he got onto this lecture circuit. And uh, she says his ego took over. And she she believes either he's been programmed or he's making some of this stuff up. And this is a woman, um, Christine. That's her name. Christine, on who ran Project Avalon for a long time. And I have another friend, too, who, who knew him and very much concurs on that. So, you know, but people want to believe this stuff. There's there's you've heard the term hope porn. Yes. So people get so much want to believe this hopeful stuff. Oh, the aliens are going to come down. They're going to save us and blah, 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 blah. Well, my own feeling is that the one who's going to save us is ourselves. Each of us has to do our work. And if we're waiting for somebody else to save us and save the world, then you're just going to keep on waiting. How many times has David Wilcox said, they're coming, they're coming, it's going to happen, it's going to be in 2011. No, now it's going to be in 2012. Well, it's any day now. Well, now maybe it's any month now. And this to me is sort of hope porn. And I'd rather say, each of us, let's do our part right now. Do what we can. Be careful with the facts. Spread the word and don't pressure people. Because when you pressure people to try to believe something, they won't listen to you. And we've, as I said, we've been very successful at WantToKnow.info and made, uh, I would just say, converted some very influential people that have helped to get the word out there. And if each of us does this, I know we, we are making a difference. It's happening even now. Thank you. Thank you for being so centered. Because uh, how many people write to me about Mel Nassara? You probably have heard yes. that term. Oh is God. coming. Yes. Leo Wanta. And what's yes. his name? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> Another one. He contacted us and I had exchanges with him. Oh, my God. That guy is a mess. And, you know, some of the stuff he says is real. A lot of these people, they're onto real stuff. But he is so crazy, Leo Wanta, about certain other stuff, you know. So and what's his name uh, escapes me? The reporter who lives in Japan now who worked at uh, yeah. Forbes. Ben Benjamin Fulford, same yeah. thing. You hear him, and it's so hopeful. You know, the the White Dragon Society will yes. will, will kill everybody else. You know, we're going to be yes. How and people believe this, and then they wonder a year, two years, three years later why they're depressed because this this hopeless hopeless dreams that they're trying to provide to you. You're relying on that information in order for you to feel better, and you need to stop that. Well, yes. And actually, Mel, I've always been optimistic in spite of knowing some of the deepest, darkest stuff that will turn your stomach on the planet. I know that humans in our core are good people. And there's, it's, a, it's a relatively few that are really at the top manipulating stuff. And if we all just come together and trust that in, in our core, we are good people. And most people are. We can move this whole and we are. We're moving this whole thing forward. And it is opening up. It's just not going to be all at once. And it's not going to be someone saving us. It's each of us doing our part that's going to make the difference. Absolutely. I just want to remove this sense of hopelessness people have by relying on wrong information. Yes. And I, I don't mean to spread fear. I want to spread sure. awareness. I want people to, to be aware of what the other side is doing. Now, yes. let's talk about the top. Many people have this notion that there's only a few in the top. Mm -hmm. Who are these people? Do you have any notion of who's pulling the strings? Well, you know, there is so much disinformation out there that it's really hard to know exactly. You know, there's all this information. If you go search online on the Council of 300, and we certainly know there are key organizations like we can talk about the Bilderbergers. That definitely is a powerful organization. Or the Tavistock. 
yeah, Tavistock. And, you know, there are we know that there are branches of the Masons, Freemasons and, and other groups and certainly Skull and Bones that have inordinate amounts of influence that do not necessarily have our best interests in common. But things like the Council of 300 and, and this kind of things, like I have not seen anything solid on all of that. So what my own uh, best guess is, and you know, I don't have anything solid on this, is that it's, it's a, a loose alliance of several thousand of the richest people in the world who are all on each other's boards. There is good, good research showing that some of these people are on 20 or 30 different boards of directors of top organizations. So they all know each other. They know how to work this game. And they truly believe that because they're more intelligent and talented, they deserve to determine what happens in this world. So they're not necessarily evil. They just think that they're the more qualified people to, to run the world. So, you know, and there are some that truly could qualify as what you might call evil. You know, some of those doing the deep, crazy Satanist and child, uh, child abuse stuff. But a, a lot of those top people are not of that level, although they have been compromised. And I think most of the people at the top have been compromised in serious ways such that they're beholden to, let's say, the powers that be, to this group of people. And then, of course, we can talk about off-planet influence, and that's a whole other level in question, and that stuff is very hard to verify. Let's discuss that in a few minutes, but I was reading today an article about Jeff Bezos. Everybody knows him, Amazon. Sure. The richest man in the world, owns the Washington Post. So there you go, a lot of influence there. Has a $600 million contract with the CIA and Mm -hmm. sits on the board of the Pentagon. There you go. When somebody like Jeff Bezos can garner so much influence, what tells Mm -hmm. you that others in his position can't? Sure. Yeah, and this is the thing, you know, there's sort of the billionaire's club. And there are a few mavericks in there, and there are certain families that have been around for generations that have inordinate amounts of influence as well. But all of this stuff, you 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 know, you can put it together. And by the way, on our website, I want to know that info. If you go to uh, this our secret societies section, it has some really good information there. Um, quick as we have a search thing right at the top. If you go to want to know that info, it says search. Just type in secret societies, and. Uh, You'll find lots of this is the really valid information we have on Bilderbergers and uh, Skull and Bones and lots of others. And it's uh, pretty good stuff. When you say that, well, you, you've been studying this for a while, the off-planet. I don't know this is very difficult to authenticate. But what do you know about off-planet in, in relationship with the planet? And what do we know about them? Well, basically, uh, for... You know, I really would want to know the level of our listeners before I go into too much depth in it, because it's easily be written off here as kind of crazy. But if you go on want to know that info, there's a UFO information center. And this will start you off with the reliable, verifiable stuff, you know, where um, top uh, military officials have come out and said certain things. You can see um, certain videos, history channels, uh, UFOs on the record, sci-fi's channels, amazing video out of the blue. And these just have such solid evidence that there is a huge cover-up of going around on around the UFOs. Now, if we want to talk about off-planet influence here, where are you going to find any solid information on that? It's very difficult. But I have written what I call a speculative essay. So if you go to our information UFO Information Center, uh, at the top, it gives you a, a sort of a menu. And one of the things says UFO speculation. And this is my own personal essay about the whole uh, – 
UFO situation. Uh, again, it's only speculation, and I really state that right at the top. But that my own belief is that um, we live in a world that is much more like Star Trek than most people would ever guess. That there is a galactic federation of higher uh, evolved beings that are watching that they don't interfere. The prime directive is you don't interfere unless a planet is going to destroy itself. And I believe they have kept us from destroying ourselves or um, unless there's a specific request from that planet for help. And so uh, basically I see it is, you know, there's the Klingons. There's certain uh, less evolved species that come and are messing around with the Earth. And that is playing a role. And they are interfacing with some of our world leaders. But there are also a lot of benign beings watching who are higher than those watching over, making sure that the Klingons don't get out of hand on Earth. So if you read my essay, it goes into uh, that in some detail. And it's it's very popular. A lot of people love that particular essay because it just it's it also is saying that. And I, I, th- I really think we're we are shifting and we're moving into a new paradigm. But would, there's still a lot of craziness on the planet as that's happening. I'm glad you put that disclaimer that that's only speculative so that uh, you're not attacked by saying so. But, uh, you know, this is where I differ from Dr. Greer because he believes that E.T. is benevolent. Now you have another camp that says they're malevolent. I think there's duality in this universe. I think there's how can we our own military and you being part of the uh, used to be part of the government. You have Mm -hmm. to understand generals have one purpose to defend their population. Yes. And how can they just stand down if there's a more advanced civilization that's trying to get in touch with us we have to have a defensive posture don't you think absolutely and of course they're always thinking of the worst case scenario you know i did work with a lot of military people when i was an interpreter and they're always planning out well what's the worst thing could happen and the funny thing is because they're putting so much energy into it they almost want it to happen and what i highly suspect almost certain is that sometimes they tweak little things here and there so it actually does happen so that then they can practice in certain ways. And I think that's some of what goes on in the Middle East. They get lots of practice there with some of the things that they've developed and some of the secret weapons that you and I know that they have. Do you think, you probably heard since you watched the Disclosure Project, um, our friend Dr. Carol Rawson, you've heard about the last card. First you have communism, then you have terrorism, then yes. a celestial object, and finally the last card, a uh, an alien invasion. And most recently, President Trump discussed the space force. Your take on that? Right. Yes, yes, that he's actually creating a sixth force of the military, the space force now, which shows the importance that is being given to this. And it's not surprising. And yeah, you know, I, I, Carol Rosin, you know, I do have some questions about her, but overall, I think she's got a good heart. And I think, you know, she really did work with uh, Roda von Braun and all of that. Um, and I, I suspect that was part of the thing. And now, the thing is that the Internet seems to have really been a game changer because of the uh, freedom of access to information on the Internet. And the fact that you can go to want to know that info or your website or some other great websites and find out what's really going on. It makes it much harder for the powers that be to manipulate as they did in the past. So there may or may not be this uh, UFO card where it's an alien evasion and the whole world has to come together to fight off the aliens. So pour our taxes into the military machine, which is, we know, part of the game. Um, I'm hopeful that doesn't happen, but it still could. This is I'm going to speculate for a moment. I want to get Mm -hmm. your reaction on this. You remember probably in the early 2000s, Gary McKinnon? 
Yes. Yes, of course. Quote, I, I quote, don't think unquote, he actually ended up in jail. No, he didn't. And I yeah. think I know why, but quote unquote hacker, because I don't think he hacked. He basically, there was a, an open door and yes. he entered and he saw supposedly yes. a couple of, of space vessels, the USSS Roscoe Healing Cutter, USSS Curtis yes. LeMay. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But what well, that, is this? We're fairly certain that that's, I and mean, we know Roscoe Hillencotter Hillen put an article in New York Times in 1960, I believe it was, saying the UFO question is very real. We have that on our website. We have a copy of the actual article. Oh, absolutely. And those people were, were decorated military persons. Yes. Uh, absolutely. But what I'm saying is, if this is true and these vessels exist, what if this space force is actually the secret space program that President Trump is Unveiling and saying, "Listen, this yes. two point the two point three trillion dollars that Donald Rumsfeld remember the September tenth, yes. two thousand and one, and all of a sudden nobody talked about that anymore. Mm-hmm. What if this money is going to this secret space program? And finally, President Trump said, let's just put it out there for people to see that we have one, the Space Force.' Yes. Absolutely, yep. And yeah, there's so much going on with the whole UFO question. I think it is a key. And just so you know, want to know that info is oriented to people who aren't aware of all the cover-ups. And so we we don't highlight the whole UFO thing. We want to get people like David Ray Griffin who are mainstream and get them to open to this. But yes, for those who are deep researchers like you and I and many of your listeners, the UFO question is absolutely key. And you may know, by, by the way, you ask you know, good people to follow. Catherine Austin Fitz, I find, is one of the best out there. And she's now, I think they've, she's worked with a professor, I uh, uh, can't remember his name right now, but who's an economics professor. And it's now up to something like is it seven trillion that's missing? And they've got it all documented on her website. So Catherine Austin Fitz, Solari.com is a top person that I recommend. Yeah, she's great. Absolutely. Catherine Austin Fitz to have mm-hmm. somebody in the financial, a former HUD uh, deputy secretary, I think she was. Yes, that's right. Assistant secretary. Yes. Right. And then she has her financial services company to be discussing all these. I mean, you hardly oh, find somebody great. with the yep. credentials, but the Space Force. Once again, do you think this Space Force takes us closer to the last card Project Blue Beam scenario? I don't know. You know, as I say, I I think the the good news is that the powers that be used to really have a pretty unified front. And since 9-11, they've become very fractured. There's always been factions in the power elite that fight among each other for power, but they've kept very well hidden their complete existence. Um, but now they're that they're being exposed. They're really some are more benign and some are, you know, more, quote unquote, evil. And so they fight among each other. And so I think it's much harder for them to pull off something big like the, you know, faked alien invasion. So I'm I'm very hopeful that will not happen. You know, it could. But uh, the Space Force, is that a step in that direction? I honestly don't know. I couldn't say. This is why I'm saying this. I'm in Tucson, Arizona. We have Raytheon, one of the largest defense contractors here. Yes, So you could say that maybe 70, 80% of my circle of friends Mm -hmm. work in that area. Mm -hmm. And I hear a lot of things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I remember a few weeks ago when the the peace, quote-unquote peace process between North Korea and the United States was Mm -hmm. happening, their stock went down. Boeing, uh, Northrop Grumman, you name it, all went down. And it seems that a lot of these wars are winding down. ISIS supposedly is, is evaporating. Yes. And it makes you wonder, is the substitution coming up soon? Yeah, it's possible. 
It's possible. I'll be honest. I'm not worried about it because I think we've got enough people like you and me out there, many, many thousands who are serious researchers doing great work, that if it does happen, we will jump on it. I, I will put all of my energy to jumping on showing people that this is faked. Um, so I'm optimistic that even if it does happen, we'll be able to expose it and it'll actually work to our benefit. And it makes me wonder sometimes if the event ever happens and you and I stand mm -hmm. outside and say, look, folks, that's this technology that has been around since the 1950s. They were going to use it in Cuba. And now, of course, we're in the 2000s now. Yes. But this is just fake. How many people would believe us? Well, I would say shortly after 9-11, almost no one would believe us. But, you know, you'd be I think, you know, Mel, that now tens of millions of people around the world are open to this. And if we all start speaking in one voice, and if, if that thing happens, I think people will become braver because they know the, the consequences if we don't. Um, I'm optimistic. Now, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm not absolutely convinced we could end up in some sort of, you know, police state, but um, I, I have to I admit I'm an eternal optimist, even though, as I say, I look at some of the deepest, darkest stuff I always have been. And I just believe in human nature that we don't want to end up in a police state. Oh, absolutely. And I think also that the mere fact that you and I are discussing this, it makes you wonder, not that I'm gonna, I want to take credit for us, mm -hmm. but I wonder how many times they, quote unquote, they have yes. delayed their plans because they say, oh, geez, this is Fred Burks again and Mel Fabregas talking about this. Let's right. delay it another year. Right. Do you know about the library? No, refresh my memory. Okay, the library, um, there was a supposedly a major attack was being planned against the U.S., and I believe it was uh, around Christmas time, 2004. And this guy, uh, he's called the German guy, appeared on one of the forums. And if I knew for sure, I would say the name, but I can't remember. It was one of the more respected forums and said, um, look, I am from German intelligence, and there's a group of us that are basically white hats that we call ourselves a library because we collect all the information that never gets put out there that they think these documents are destroyed. And we actually have copies of all of them. And we work to try to keep things from getting out of hand. He acknowledged, he said, we failed on 9-11, apologize for that, but we've stopped many other things. You can find information of this on our website if you look, search under German guy. And he said, you have no reason to believe me. But then he threw out all these clues and he said, try to see if there's a connection between this and that. He, I don't know how many, but something, you know, several dozen clues and people started jumping on it and pursuing it. And the clues all ended up being solid, which gave real credence that this guy was for real, that there really is something called the library, which is active and retired intelligence people who really want the world to be a better place, who are working to keep stuff like this from happening. So I I already suspected that existed before I ever heard of this. And to find that out was like exciting news. So Mel, you would love to read it. Go check out the German guy. I will. The documents. And that's the kind of stuff that is nobody knows is out there that is there to help us when necessary. So this, you know, I'm always looking for ways. And again, I'm biased optimist, but um, I think we can handle anything that happens. That's great. How are they able to, to, remain anonymous they're not part of anonymous right no 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 some of them may be that you know we unfortunately we haven't heard more the german guy disappeared so he was he said that if enough information gets out this attack will not happen and it did not happen but interestingly enough two days later the indonesian tsunami happened but that's anyway so 
Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> One thing at a time, because you're, you're, you're bringing to some great stuff here. The wow. tsunami. The tsunami, and also we discussed the Fukushima uh, tsunami as well. But this right. 2004, I think it was, the tsunami there, where uh, the only ones who survived there were the... Uh, The Nates, a certain tribe, only one person of the tribe died because it was a, a paraplegic person who could, could not summon help. But they all went to the mountain along with the animals. And, you know, we've had so many people who died or disappeared. Do you think that was man-made? The Indonesian tsunami there, you know, if you study the the signature of the tsunami, there was some strangeness around it. Um Do we have the technology to cause a tsunami? Yes. If you do a search again on wantonow.info, you'll see that there's been declassified documents that show that they developed a tsunami bomb back in World War II. So this is, you know, declassified documents showing that they already had the capability in World War II to create a tsunami. So imagine how far we've advanced in 50 years. You know that they're working on the stuff. They pour huge amounts of money into it. So do we have the capability to cause a major tsunami? Absolutely. And I imagine it's working with tensions already there that they know are there, that somehow they click it and all that sort of stuff. Can I say definitively that the Indonesian tsunami was purposeful? No, absolutely not. What about But Fukushima? I, I'm sorry. Uh, Fukushima, same thing. You know, it's it could be, you know, Indonesian tsunami, I would say I'm, I definitely believe it probably was caused uh, by – it was assisted, let's just say, by certain groups. Um, Fukushima – Uh, I'm less certain, but it could easily be as well. And by the way, there, um, a, a respected source that I fully trust has confided to me that um, she was a financial specialist that um, a couple of her people were told to pull their money out of Indonesian stocks uh, a week or two before the tsunami. And that's very strange. Oh, almost like 9-11? Yes, Interesting. So that's one of the reasons I strengthened my belief that it was already there, that it probably was manipulated. And again, I could easily be wrong. This is, this is, We're talking speculation here, Mel, and I really like to distinguish between speculation and what we pretty much know from the documents. Well, this is speculation, but when you have the information that leads you to believe otherwise, such as people being warned I mean, same thing, 9-11. Yes. Yes. There's information that's out there, can be verified, yes. that texts went out to a certain number of people not to show up on that day. So yes. somebody knew that this was going to happen. Uh, oh, yeah. What happened is a different story, but some people knew. Then they oh, yeah. have the, actually reported about these top-level generals from the Pentagon who were warned to cancel their travel plans the night before 9-11. We have that, uh, that article. There's two articles that came out in Newsweek on that that specifically say that. Take another example, the uh, earthquake in Haiti. Mm -hmm. I have, I've said this many times, I have a relative who's a high-ranking member of an airline, and he sent a few airplanes with assistance just a few hours after the, they were the first, first civilian airliners to arrive in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And what they told me was that they saw a bunch of military Israeli planes on the tarmac already with help there. Wow. If they're coming all the way from Israel, how wow. did that happen unless they knew? That is very strange. Yep. I ask this yep. question to many people and they get uncomfortable with the whole notion of what, what are you implying here? But why, how, how, would, how were they there yes. hours before a civilian airliner that came from a, an adjacent air, uh, island? 
Yes, I would call that strong evidence. Of course, it's not proof, but it is strong evidence that something strange was definitely going on there. And we all know what disaster capitalism is, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, once, you know, Mel, one of the things I love about you and, and other top researchers is we're kind of connecting all the dots, even though it is speculative. We're doing our best to connect the dots and you get the feeling, oh, there's a whole war machine here. We know that war brings in incredible profits, that disasters bring in incredible profits. And so we look with that eye, but we have to be careful because, of course, there are many tsunamis, earthquakes and all that kind of stuff that are natural. They've been going on for, you know, as long as the earth's been around. And so we have to be careful not to assume that there's a conspiracy behind everything. But yes, when you have evidence like that, okay, that's strong evidence. Of course, and there hasn't been a an earthquake in Haiti since the 1700s, but again, yes. it could happen today. Yes. Yeah. Now, here's another headline. BBC News has exposed plans of the U.S. military to, quote-unquote, provide maximum control of the Internet, as detailed in a declassified secret Pentagon document signed by a U.S. Secretary of Defense. Yes, that's from our front page, so I want to know that info, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this I learned when I was actually working as a language interpreter that they're wanting total control of the Internet, dominance of space. Uh, Vision 2020, I actually um, was working, I think, with some Pakistani generals and they were talking about uh, Vision 2020 uh, back in the 1990s. So, you know, of course, there are parts of the military that are much more up on all that's going on than the uh, people who work in the media. And even government, you know, a lot of people in government don't know about some of the deep stuff that's going on in military and intelligence services. So, yes, we know that they, the military wants to have total control, as much control as they can, not just over the Internet, but over all of us. See, people, when they hear this Vision 2020, they may say to you, oh, are you making that up? And I'm not, I know you're not because I've read the articles. And oh, then you yeah, have, it's online. You can find it on military websites that talk about Vision 2020. Right. And because that's yes. the first question that they have. What is your source, Mel? Right. Or, the source is the Pentagon. So there you go. Right. Correct. Whether, <laughs> yes. here's another one, whether as a force multiplier owning the weather in 2025. This is a report that comes directly from the United States Air Force. Yes. Oh, did yeah, you, and they've been... Did you look into that? Yes. What do you know about owning the weather in 2025? Oh, there's a lot of information on weather control. Um, you know, and, you know, it's been an open policy of the Pentagon. Now, they don't report it in the news, which is why people don't know about it, but they've been working to control the weather for a long time. And the question is, how nefarious are their designs to use the weather to maybe influence military actions and things like that? And and you and I know that, that certainly there are, let's, I call them rogue elements within the military that really want to support the war machine that do cause these things to happen and have, we, we have solid information of that. I was mentioning how I see how the conflicts around the world are, at least in, in my eyes, are almost winding down in a way. We try to get to Syria. There's too much, too many people saying that's going to be a bad decision. Look at what happened in Iraq, Libya, Afghanistan. But now we have this article here. Government documents released through the Freedom of Information Act show top Pentagon generals once approved plans to foment terrorism and kill innocent civilians in major U.S. cities. I bring this article up because I don't know if you've seen, there's a term on Google in the past few weeks that's taking a lot of traction, gaining a lot of traction, and that is civil war 
in the United States. And again, I don't want to spread fear, mm -hmm. but this sure. is something that you hear lately. Look what happened in Portland a few days ago. Mm -hmm. The encounters between protesters is becoming more and more violent. Your take mm -hmm. on that? You know, I uh, again, I really don't know. What, what happens is, you know, The plans of what I call the power elite are, are blowing up all over the place and they're putting on uh, fires. They did not want Trump to be elected. Now, they have taken control of Trump to some degree, but Trump is a wild card. And so I, so many things to me are unpredictable now because, again, there are factions within the elite that are literally fighting against each other. And so which faction comes out on top? Obviously, the faction, a certain faction managed to get Trump elected. It's like, wow, that's pretty amazing. And so the other factions, of course, are now going, well, what do we do? How do we damage control here? Um, there's been predictions of civil war in the United States for uh, at least a couple decades. I haven't seen it happen yet, but it certainly could go that direction. Um, I, I have people that I trust that are fairly certain it's going to go that direction. I'm, I'm not as certain myself. I remember interviewing... Uh, gosh, I cannot believe it. It was a good friend. He passed away a few years ago. Uh, Griff, Griffin, um, I forgot the last the, the name. I'll oh, find yes. it. Um, I know who you're talking about. Uh, I'm forgetting his name too. G, G Edward Griffin. <laughs> no, not G Edward Griffin. He's the, the author of, uh, right. uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. Somebody okay. who had a similar name. He was the, the, he, he was the husband of a, the the daughter of a former Supreme Court justice, and he had a lot of information. And this is 2009, I believe. Mm -hmm. He told me that a lot of bankrupt cities in the United States were bankrupt because they were building underground facilities in the event of civil war. And this is 2009. And ah, he said, the way that. that's an interesting one. Huh? Yes. And he said, this is going to happen in the near future. You're going to see there's going to be a big division because what the power elite wants to do is divide us, divide and conquer. Yes. They're laughing yes. at us, folks. Even if you disagree with me politically or, 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 or spiritually, whatever, we can sit down and have tea and we can just enjoy ourselves and enjoy our differences. That's the way it is. But yes. they don't want it that way. You turn on your TV and all they do is divide you. They want us to yes. fight each other. Yep. Divide and conquer has been around for millennia and it has been used by the power elite to keep people fighting against each other. You know, that's one of the key pieces, because as long as we're fighting against each other, we're not looking at the one percent. That's why I so love when the new meme came out about the one percent, because when we're looking up at the one percent of elite, it's a whole different ballgame than looking at the progressive, conservative, Democrat, Republican, which to me is all a sham because all of us want healthy families and all of us have certain core human values, both Democrats and Republicans. But we focus on these little narrow pieces like abortion and whatever it is. And of course, people get very passionate. But in the overall picture, we really have very similar values. And yet the media, the government, the, the military all want to keep us fighting against each other. Yep. Are you there? I'm here. Now, okay. let me go back to Donald Rumsfeld, 2001. Yes. CBS News quotes, U.S. Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld, according to some estimates, we cannot track $2.3 trillion in transactions. That's $8,000 for every man, woman, and child in the U.S. If this had happened... In the 1930s, without computers, maybe, just maybe, I believe that a fraction got lost. But in today's mm -hmm. day and age, when you and I transfer more than $10,000 to a foreign bank, you better believe it that you're going to be contacted by the government. Absolutely. How can they lose $2.3 right. $2 trillion? 
It's crazy. And and as I mentioned, I just found the article here. It was a Forbes News article, literally Forbes magazine on December 8th, 2017, has an article titled, Has Our Government Spent 21 Trillion of Our Money Without Telling Us? So it's not just 2.3 trillion. This is the work of Catherine Austin Fitz and Professor Mark Skidmore of Michigan State that has literally uncovered $21 trillion of money missing. And there it is on Forbes magazine. So this is the kind of stuff you can find if you go to our banking session and look under the news articles. Uh, you'll find that Forbes article. Ask U.S. taxpayers. Well, well, hold on. How many trillions did you say? Twenty-one trillion. <laughs> isn't exactly. Isn't that exactly the amount we have in the U.S. debt clock right now? Twenty-one trillion. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's something like that. So without that, we could be a zero balanced budget. But. Exactly. Uh, as U.S. taxpayers, you and I, what can we possibly do to demand account accountability for those $21 trillion? Well, this is a tough one because, you know, basically there's been this fabricated reality that the majority of people on our planet have bought into. And you and I were born into and I once believed it. And so it's basically cracking that sense, which is scary for most people because most people are already overwhelmed in their life. And so it's like, I don't want to hear something that's even more scary. Yeah. So the people that I work with, it's, it's really a sort of a psychological, emotional problem. We have, you know, evidence up to kazoo, solid, strong evidence. But the question is, how do we reach people without scaring them too much and show them that, hey, maybe there are some crazy things going on. And maybe when we come together, we can actually stop this. So it's it's not an easy question, but uh, you know through things like want to know that info, and you'll see actually um, want to know that info is part of the uh, peers, which is a nonprofit that covers all sorts of stuff. We also present some really positive and inspiring material because there's so much good stuff going on that's also being covered up. And so if you just focus on the negative, it'll really take you down the the rabbit hole, and you can get suicidal and really depressed. But if you look at all the good stuff going on, it's also, wow, amazing, and it gives a lot of hope. So we have to find balance in our, ourselves about what we're even looking at. Because if you're looking for crazy government conspiracy, you will find tons and tons. But if you're looking for people doing amazing work to transform the world, it's out there. So let's let's have a balance of the two. Absolutely. And always, I, I end each program with solutions. So I'm sure that at the end of the interview on second on the second segment, we'll discuss some solutions, too. But Great. this is a kaleidoscope of, of topics that we're discussing today. And by the way, the name of the gentleman that I was referring to is A.C. Griffith. He, he died a ah. few years ago. Now, multiple reliable sources show that you may be eating, as if we didn't know, genetically modified food daily, which scientific experiments have repeatedly demonstrated cause sickness and death in lab animals. Now, this is one of those that is appearing on the mainstream media today, yet yes. people don't demand labeling. Even California, folks, the most yes. progressive state in, in the in, in the nation, is yes. okay by not having labeling. What is up with that? Well, of course, there's huge amounts of money that anytime something comes up in elections, and we know elections are also manipulated, that you throw huge money at it, and the advertisements can sway people that you know that black is white and white is black. And so it's it's really sad because, as you know, the information, the, the the evidence now is overwhelming. If you go and look at it, that the we're playing genetic roulette. You know, Jeffrey Smith um, has done amazing work on this, and he's actually uh, uh, a, a good friend of mine's brother. And so I've gotten to connect with him and 
it, he is helping to one of the key forces to get this out into the public, which it really is more than a lot of the other things we're discussing here. Are you essentially saying that we are mind controlled? I'm just thinking days or weeks preceding an election in California. I'm just going to pick on that state mm -hmm. because I think that if there's a state that wanted this outlawed, I mean, mm -hmm. or, or or actually making sure that everything is, is labeled, that if it's going to be GMO, that you have to say it. They actually sure. voted against it. They didn't care about that. I just don't understand. Is it because people are mind controlled? Well, I wouldn't say it's mind control in, in that case because I, I live in California and I remember that the the pro-labeling group was winning significantly and then tons of money came in in the last exactly. few weeks. Exactly. And it was, so it's not mind control. It, well, mind control in the form of advertisements, uh, brainwashing people. Right. Yes. So that kind of mind control. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yes. That if you have the billions, if you if you're the George Soros or somebody yes. with a lot of pockets in the industry, that yes. obviously if 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 you label something GMO or not, you know that's going to be eroding somebody's pocket. And if they that's put right. the money where it is, but I just can't understand if people know the difference. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that they watch a TV commercial saying, "Folks, don't listen to this GMO labeling. Just vote against it." Mm -hmm. And you probably know that, you know, television is a huge propaganda. Tool. Yes. You know, I, I avoid watching it. Well, in 60 seconds, there's studies made that in 60 seconds, you are in a trance. Mm -hmm. And just like your computer has emits a blue tint or a right. blue light. Mm -hmm. This is one of the, those things that connects to your brain and has you in a, in a daze. And this yes. is why I, I, this future generation of children, they're just walking with their heads down. They have this new condition on their necks that, uh, yes. uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, orthopedic, orthopedic surgeons are seeing on them. Right. And, and me being the eternal optimist, I have to remind myself that when I was a kid, I would fight with my dad to be able to watch more than three or four hours of television a day. True. It's so a, I was addicted to television when I was a teenager and a young kid, and now I don't even watch it. So I, I have some hope that uh, just because they're addicted now doesn't mean they couldn't change later. And in their defense, folks, we, you and I are probably a little bit the same age, I believe, and we had our distractions. We wanted to watch TV. We were just glued. I remember when MTV, oh, yeah. when MTV yeah. came out, I was glued yes. to MTV. And Everybody my was glued to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now the new addiction is what? Video games yes. and TV and yeah. phones. Especially the shoot 'em up video games. You know, my nephew just, and my, my, I have a housemate who's uh, 16. Just these shoot 'em up games. Wow. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because I say it all the time. I used to be addicted to video games. Back in the 80s, I used to be one of those arcade rats. But then mm -hmm. in the 2000s, I discovered one of these Xboxes. You know, I'm married. I have yes. a, a child. But they were so realistic that yes. it, drew, it drew me. And it mm -hmm. caused an addiction. And I stopped. I had to sell it all. And I said wow, to myself, you. you watch this. In a few years, there's going to be a diagnosis that this is a mental disorder. Now, well, it's already out there. I think the U. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not positive. The UN has already declared that it is some sort of disorder or something. And I hope they treat it as such. But when mm -hmm. it comes to shoot 'em up, do you think that the military spends money into these games because it's a recruitment tool? I suspect you know. So I haven't seen anything solid on that. I've seen hints, but it certainly makes sense. And if I was a military person, I would say, yeah, let's use this. It just makes sense. Here's another one. A highly decorated U.S. general wrote. The book War is a Racket, loved that book, which depicts how he was manipulated and how most wars are waged to keep the coffers of big corporations filled. 
mm-hmm. you tell that to a most, you know, I'm a patriot. Mm-hmm. But if I talk to people about this, they're going to say, how dare you think that our men and women are out there being used as cannon fodder? If I even say that to many right. of my friends, I would be without friends. Yeah. But and yet, if you give them this book, which is written by one of the, he was, I think he was the most highly decorated general from World War One. Exactly. So we're back there, um, tons of awards and very well liked and even loved by the soldiers. And yet, it wasn't until after he left and he was invited to um, overthrow Roosevelt. Literally, there was going to be a secret coup to overthrow Roosevelt, and he was invited to be a part of that. And he eventually played along to see who was behind it. And eventually, so he wrote this whole thing up in there and talks about how. Well, actually, he didn't write that whole thing in Wars of Racket. He wrote that separately. But uh, if people are willing to look at that, then they're going to go, whoa, wait a minute. And and that book has helped a lot of people who are not, let's say, conspiracy theorists to really open their eyes. It's it's not that long. It's only like uh, 25 pages long. And isn't it interesting that immediately after the Federal Reserve Act passed, and the mm-hmm. Tax Revenue Act passed because they needed us to pay. Yep. Exactly. And then 1914, what do we get? The Tax Revenue Act for us to pay for their debt. What mm-hmm. do we get? World War I. World and War One. yeah. And after, World War Two. And did we finance both sides? Mm-hmm. You better believe that we did. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, again, it's, it's, that, it's not a left-right thing. You know, people are so... And beliefs, you know, people who are Democrats believe Republicans are evil and they're a problem for everything. Republicans believe Democrats are the problems of everything. It is so not true. And, you know, it's it's hard for people to open up to that possibility because we're so into this polarization, especially with Donald Trump. You, most people either hate him or love him. And it's really unfortunate because uh, that's just being manipulated if you've fallen into that. And you mentioned the extraterrestrials and the fact that this could be like Star Trek, the non-intervention uh, premise there. But right. if well, we, and, militarily, yeah. if we're not uh, killing ourselves, but there's one aspect that I never hear. Well, I do, actually. There are some certain abductees that discuss this. But look, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Ocean right now, there are plastic, plastic layers the size of a couple of our own states. That's yes. how big they are. Yeah. Isn't that something that could actually kill our planet? Yes. Well, yeah, if the oceans die, uh, we will die. That's There's no question about that. Well, thankfully, we're still a ways from that. But yes, there are, as you say, it's a state-sized islands of plastic that are killing off wildlife. And uh, thankfully, that has been reported, and it's they're making some efforts and some headway on that. But uh, we've got a long way to go. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of these tree huggers, but at the same time, I uh, go to certain restaurants and lately I noticed that they're not putting straws anymore. And I asked, you know, what's going on here? And well, it's because we're trying to prevent uh, single-use plastics. We're going to do our own thing here, starting from one restaurant, and hopefully more people will do it. So I can stand behind the plastics part. Yes. Yeah, there actually are a few major corporations now that are banning straws, and even McDonald's is uh, experimenting with changing to uh, paper straws rather than plastic. Right, exactly, and only if you ask for them. Now, the former chief of a prestigious medical journal revealed that, uh, guess what? We're coming to the end of the first segment. There's so many more things to discuss, and we're getting deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole. How can Mm -hmm. people learn more about your work, Fred, and... uh, Anything that you'd like to discuss? 
Sure. Um, well, the best thing is if for this kind of material, go to wanttoknow.info and you'll find lots of stuff there. We're kind of going off of the homepage of Want to Know for some of the key things we're discussing here. Uh, for more about me, you can just do a search on Fred Burks, uh, B-U-R-K-S, and you'll find lots of information, uh, including I, I wrote an essay about my own personal experience of going down the rabbit hole that a lot of people appreciate. So uh, take a look and see what you find. When we come back, I want to discuss how you went down the, the rabbit hole. Because I'm always curious to know what was that eureka moment, that mm-hmm. moment where you said something's wrong, and I know you left the government at the time. But mm-hmm. I'd like to discuss what else you learned while you were in the government, what sure. the eureka moment was, and anything else that you can tell us that can help us mitigate whatever's happening around us because this show is not only about creating awareness but also offering solutions i'm here delighted to be with for burks folks don't go anywhere thank you for listening to the first part of this very important veritas interview to listen to the rest and all of our material proceed to the members section or subscribe at veritasradio.com don't forget to visit the veritas store for mms hemp oil pure organic sulfur and other great products. Thank you.